uh, situation, anything where you want someone to buy into something, where you're pitching something, and that's kind of what you're doing. Document things. Welcome to the Rocky Retirement Show. My name is Kathy Klein, and I'm the host. And in this show, we don't talk about money or financial issues. We talk about retirement lifestyle issues. These are things that everybody needs to know, whether or not you've saved enough for retirement. So let's go to the episode. Hi, it's Kathy with the Rocky Retirement Show, and today I have Veronica Mitchell on the line, and she's actually a friend of mine. I've known her for a while now. We served on the same committees at the Caregiver Council in San Diego, and also the Council on Aging. And she has a very interesting business and sort of philosophy, and that's why I brought her on the show. So to tell you a little bit about her, she's an advocate for seniors, obviously, women and caregivers, and she's a guest blogger, and she writes her own blog, which is featured on Veronica Mitchell's website, and I'll have a link to that in the show. She's a sought-after public speaker because her genuine approach to combine her excellent verbal, emotional, and social intelligence with her funny sense of humor and curiosity of life. And I have heard her talk about taking the keys away from your family member. And I know this is a hugely sensitive topic, but it is so important because when your family member shouldn't be driving, they can actually injure or kill somebody. But it's so hard. It is so hard. I know it was in my own family situation. Veronica, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Welcome. Thank you, Kathy, so much. I really appreciate it. Your website and what you do with your podcast is fabulous. So I'm really appreciative to be here and talk about this topic. It's so important. I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. I know that when my my father had Parkinson, I mean, had, he still has it. And we would go visit him when he was still driving. And the funny thing is, I think I might have told you this um, on a personal level, but we, it's been a while since we've talked. So his Parkinson's caused his eyes to shut and he was still driving and I didn't, I didn't live there. So this was in Florida and I live in, I live in California and I would tell my dad and my, my stepmother just let him drive. I think she was, you know, she'd be in the car with him and she'd tell him to open his eyes, but it just freaked me out, you know? that he was driving when his eyes would shut. And I say, Hey dad, <laughs> you can't right. drive because you're shutting your eyes. Oh, I can drive. So what do you do? I mean, <laughs> if my dad wow. was driving and he was shutting his eyes, that's, that's not even with the cognition of slowing down and running across the road. I mean, there's obviously all kinds of issues with this. There are so many issues and your story, frankly, is not uncommon. You know, we've come across this really on so many levels where family members are either afraid to broach the subject. It's our last part of our freedom as we age and we transition in life. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's your ability to get up and go when you want, where you want. And every other aspect of your life as we get older gets smaller and smaller, right? So we downsize. We lose loved ones. We lose our ability. I mean, even myself in my late 40s, 
my mind tells me I'm 25, right? So oh, yeah. I go through life with this vigor of like, I can still do anything. But my body tells me, oh my gosh, no, you can't. So it's <laughs> a so very true. hard thing, right? <laughs> life is hard like that. So, so you put that all into a family dynamic where you love your parent and you see all of that going on, all of the transitions. Plus, you're still living your life and you have your family, you have your ups and downs, you have all of the things we have to do. And like you said, then you come home or you visit or a neighbor knocks on the door and tells you, um, hey, something's happening with your mom or dad or your aunt and we want to let you know. So what I say to families is really start the conversations as early as possible. Like literally start them now. In my 40s, my, I, I just started talking to my dad and my, my mom had already decided to stop driving. She never really liked driving. So when they moved to San Diego, it was such an easy breezy thing for them. So my dad loves driving. And so it was difficult. And so you just have to have, in, in my family, we have very frank conversations and other families, you have to figure out how to navigate it. So who's the person that can get the person's ear and have a conversation? Who does that person jive with more in the family? Who does that person trust in their religious community? Who does that person look up to or bond with when they go get their haircuts or play golf? You know what I mean? Like you really have to be a detective to put this whole thing together and you have to have conversation after conversation. Then I want people to start identifying and documenting. So I do want to talk about that, but let's go back to the conversations. Sure. So you're saying that when somebody's even in their 60s, that you, sure. you say, hey, you know, how are we going to know when it's time to yep. take, the, like, like, how do you even bring that up? Like, you really bring it up as far as, hey, mom and dad, you know, aging is seriously, you know, whatever it is, like, I, I finally just, with families, I, I say that the most candid approach is the best. So you want to cover all your bases on this when you bring up the conversation. It's really about peace of mind and not killing someone on some level, right? So it's literally that you're driving a loaded weapon and we love you with great depth and we want to make sure the whole thing is as we go through the conversation, I'll show you how the, as you start bringing the conversations up, eventually you're gearing to letting them know that you're going to have things in place so that they're not going to lose their mobility. They're not going to lose their ability to, to have their regular church and social and doctors, you know, but you have to let them know that it's a privilege to drive. It's not a right. So Veronica, do you think it's easier in more urban environments like New York or places where they use public transportation? Cause it seems like, here where we are, it's all spread out and everybody is very dependent on their cars. What What do you think? Do you think it's sort of a suburban problem? I think it's a problem everywhere. I think it's probably easier in metropolitan areas such as um, New York and D.C. and probably San Fran um, that do have, you know, great public transportation and people are used to doing that all the time. But even then, as people get older... You know, people that still live in cities still have problems where that they want to hold on to the driving. And even with Uber apps, you still have to vet people. And I guess 
you still need to make sure the person is competent in caring for senior transportation. They're a little bit different sometimes than just being a taxi service and picking people up and shuffling them around all night long. Sometimes people need a little bit more care. Like, give me an example. Are you talking about helping them in and out of the car or dealing mm-hmm, with wheelchairs, mm-hmm. those kind of things? All of that, exactly. All of that. And also um, anxiety levels of people knowing who's getting them there and knowing that, like, they're going to show up on time, that it's the same person, that um, especially with new technologies, you know, not everyone is online per se and using different platforms. So I'm teaching my dad right now how to use a uh, tablet, and it's very different than using a keyboard. So just getting into apps for some people. And then other seniors are totally savvy. They love it and they use it. Well, you know, a tablet is kind of more like Star Trek. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just sit him in front of the Star Trek and just say, okay, see uh, what they're doing? Then I'm going to show you how to do the same thing, Dad. Wait. I wish it could be that easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are talking about these conversations. So in other words, don't wait until it's a crisis. Start when you start right. noticing small things, right. you know, like... I don't even know what would be small when driving. Like they're not using their turn signals to, to change. Or they like, get confused where they're driving. Or there's ways that you can also do that. You can follow them driving sometimes and just mm. observe their driving. You can uh, check out the car on a regular basis and see are there more dents than usual. When you are driving them around, ask them, hey, I forget how to get to this place. Can they actually give you directions to get somewhere? Do they get flustered or angry in traffic, confused? Now, some of these symptoms sound like me. Like I have no idea where I am most of the time, so I'm using a GPS. Right, right. I use a GPS for everything. My sister has a GPS in her brain and literally never gets lost anywhere. It's amazing Oh, my gosh. And she always says to me, well, just go west. It's towards the water. And I'm I like, say, well, I don't, know where don't... West is. exactly. I don't know where the <laughs> water is. The water. <laughs> exactly. I can't see the water from yeah. here. So I don't know. Yeah, I have a GPS. I use it to go to the bathroom in my house. So yeah, I get yeah, lost yeah. a lot. I am. Uh, I'm, right, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm right there with you. But it's really about the importance of this is also to protect people emotionally, to right. protect them financially, to protect everyone. Nobody wants to go through a very bad car accident that ends in death, and then you have to live with that. Nobody wants to... I mean, three years ago, I was in a bad car accident where I was dropping off groceries to my dad, and my niece was in the back seat of my car. And out of nowhere, a senior gal was on the wrong side of the road and <sighs> floored her car in reverse. Oh, my goodness. And totaled my car, and by the grace of the universe or God, whatever your reference is, uh, we weren't killed. Right. And that woman is still driving her car. She I is? The other day. Yes. So, so the state, okay. So, so we'll, we'll go back to the, you know, what you said before where you're documenting, but right. so this woman who is a senior Correct. crashed into you and her keys still weren't taken away by her doctor. By anybody. And it's amazing to me that it still happens. We talk about it. So that's why these conversations are important. They're important because I had a colleague that I was working um, actually on the same caregiver coalition that you and I met on. And she was relating a story of one of her 
uh, great aunts or something that lived in a small town. She had failed the license many times. She was in her late 90s. And then the family kind of thought maybe they just let her pass it because she had failed it a couple times, you know. And nobody knows that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that the lady continued to drive, and she did end up killing someone. And so oh, the no. end of her life is spent dealing with that instead of transitioning through the end of life, enjoying time with people, loving people, you know, enjoying whatever time she had left. Now she's got the guilt. with that mourning and the guilt. Exactly. Just, and so that's why I tell families it's so important to do what you got to do. Well, you know, also, I think a lot of us, like before I went through the situation with my dad, we just assume that the doctors are going to do it for us. That they're just going to tell that, that, you know, and let me tell you, my dad said, the neurologist said that I can drive fine. And And that will only go to a certain (sighs) point from what I understand, I hope, because here's what happens. Once the diagnosis goes through, it's supposed to be kicked into the DMV from what I understand. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. But that's how the systems are supposed to be set up. Now, does that always happen or do doctors sometimes fudge it a little bit because they know what happens? Once you get a diagnosis that, you know, because once you have impairment of any kind, if it's mild, from what I understand, it's okay. But once it gets beyond that, at some point, they will not renew your license. Right. And then people still will drive, though. I know. It's crazy. People still will drive. It's crazy. But, you know, it's... So then what are you going to do? I know. What are you going to... And sometimes these... Like, my dad was diagnosed in his 50s. So, you know, and he was fine. He was really fine for a long time, 20 right. years or so. But sure. then it got, but to me, when you're shutting your eyes, your doctor yeah. should, uh, you know, say, hey, you know, you can't drive. Your eyes are shut most of the time. He, That's not mild. He right. couldn't open his eyes. He had to use his fingers uh, to pry his eyes open. And I was, I right. was appalled. But anyway, and, and I do see this happen where family members, they're afraid, you know, they talk to their family, you know, they talk to mom or dad about it. Mom or dad don't want to give up the keys. They think the doctor's going to do something and it doesn't get done or the family member is continuing to drive. So before I sort of interrupted you a few minutes ago, you were talking about identifying, observing and documenting the unsafe driving. And when we get back from the break, I want you to talk a little bit about that. So we are talking with Veronica Mitchell about taking the keys away, and she's going to come and tell us how to do that (laughs) right after this break. Want to support the show? I do this show as a love project for you, the listener, but I have expenses. I have to pay for the hosting of this show every month. There's also the creation of the show notes. There's the editing, because I certainly can't do that myself. So I've created a place where you can go to support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support and select your level of support. It would mean the world to me. So welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. We're talking with Veronica Mitchell, and she's telling us how to do something very delicately, which is taking the keys away from mom or dad. So Veronica, welcome back. Oh, thanks, Kathy. I appreciate it. Um, we, we're touching a little bit on how to begin this whole process. So obviously, we start with conversations. We're building on this. We're building on it. 
And we're also letting them buy into it. So when we have those conversations, what do you guys want to do when it gets to that point? And they're going to say, oh, don't worry about it. I can drive. But no, let's talk about that a little bit. So these are frank conversations, candid conversations. Pick and choose your battles when you have them. So you've started all that. Now the process is that you see either by people telling you or by accident, um, lawsuits, whatever it is, now we're seeing a pattern of unsafe driving and how do we go about this. So I think it's good like anything, any negotiation you go into, any kind of um, uh, situation, anything where you want someone to buy into something, where you're pitching something, and that's kind of what you're doing. Document things. So take, like we touched on earlier, follow them and document stuff with dates and times and what happened. Because if there's any impairment where memory is involved, they're not going to remember things. But when you can show them a scrapbook of what's been going on and say, this is what you've done, it might hit them emotionally. You've got to figure out who your audience is. I had a client that was in Rancho Santa Fe, exceedingly wealthy, had been a leader in his industry, and I was consulting with him to help him get rid of business stuff and pare things down and just help him still feel like he was doing things in the business world, even though he wasn't. And he was in the beginning stages of losing capacity, but he didn't want to give up the keys and the family members didn't want to deal with it. And that happens a lot in families. And sometimes it's for a lot of reasons. And that's a whole nother conversation that we can do on a different <laughs> podcast. Exactly. But, uh, you know, so as I'm helping him go through his paperwork and we're doing everything and I'm consulting with him, we're closing things out, we're, we're doing a lot. I'm seeing a pattern of many car accidents with this gentleman. And now he's maxed out his insurance at many different agencies. Now he is being sued for his personal asset. Now there could be criminal negligence involved in a car accident. Do you see what I'm saying? So these are the conversations exactly. you have to have with people ahead of time. And why you document all this is so that if there is impairment of any kind, you are able to show it, document it, and get them to buy into it. And then you have to figure out who delivers it, right? Like, so is it a family conversation or are they going to feel attacked that way? Okay. Is it just sitting down with their priest or their rabbi or is it sitting down with their golf buddies and you, is it, you figure it out and you start building your case, I guess, you know, in a way that you're with love and however the family dynamic is, whatever the relationship is, but you have to be candid and you have to be frank and you have to do it with love and you have to do it with honest, frank conversations with facts, statistics. And we got our dad to stop driving in, he's 82 and he just stopped in the last few years. And it's no impairment of any kind. My mom and dad are both living independently. They're completely of sound mind, have no signs of any kind of impairment at all. It's not because I love them and I'm, I just am in the business. They don't have any signs of it yet. So we knock on wood. But what I noticed with my dad was he was losing his peripheral vision. Mm. He was getting frustrated in the car. When people would honk at other cars, he would be saying, oh, what is that? But turning his wheel where the way his head Oh, no. You know? Yeah, that's yes. tough. <laughs> and I don't, you know, we finally just had to say to him, look, you love your mom. You love mom so much. You love all of us. Would, could you live with yourself if you were driving the car and you were at fault and something happened to And he hands down just said, 
yeah, take the keys. Okay, that's good. So what what did you do then? What was your like? How did? Oh, so we have to. We have, we're lucky. We have three sisters that live here. I have a brother that um, even though he's on the East Coast, he's completely involved and engaged and coordinating things and helping and um, whatever the logistical stuff he can do, you know. But what what he's good at because he was in the military 27 years, his role is, even though my sister and I have been helping seniors with our business for 15 years, <laughs> sometimes they don't want to be told everything by us because we're the ones that make them get rid of their furniture. We're the ones that make them use the walker. I am the hard ass in a way in the family. So if I need something done, sometimes I call my brother. So sometimes in the family dynamic, you might think, well, you know, they listen to him and he's never, he's been in the military for 27 years. He's not even involved in senior care. What the hell? Why don't they listen to me? But you know what it is in caregiving? I don't care how they hear the message. I just want them to hear it. So they're still doing what I'm saying, right? But if they're going to listen to him, it's just like less of a battle because I've already tried it a couple of times and they said no, so now I'll call him. So you figure that out in your family or with your friends. Some people don't have family. Maybe it's your best friend or your best friend's mother. You know, maybe it's someone that you just know from church. I mean, you figure it out, and then you got to then get people that can help with the volunteering, that can help with the driving. You coordinate, okay, what are the, the must-dos? My mom and dad go to Mass every Saturday. That's kind of like the plan of how we're right. going to handle it. Exactly, and you put all those steps in place. You talk to their golf buddies. Can you drive them every week instead of my dad? Can you take them to go get the haircut? Can whatever families live around, who does Saturday mass, who does um, the doctor's appointments, who does, uh, they like to go out to brunch, you know, whatever the, the things are that help them maintain their activities of daily life plus their ability to engage socially because that's what keeps them living. Absolutely. You know? So that's what you have to figure out and that's what keeps them from going into a depression when they can't drive or feeling like they're useless or, okay, now, now I am old. Now I'm stuck here in this senior community without my car. Now I'm stuck here in my home. Now I'm at everybody's whim, everybody's mercy. You know, so you have to, you have to have all that stuff in place ahead of time so that they know. Do you think sometimes that plan might be moving into a senior community where they have vans and things like that to take people? Yes. You got to look at all of that. Because when push comes to shove, and again, these are other podcasts too, when it comes to life transitions, it's always better. I tell everyone, you pay on the front end or the back end, right? And so it's always better to think of where we're going, what do we need to do, how are we going to get there, and, you know, what's going to happen in the next couple of years? Oh, okay, so we're going to stop driving. So are we going to stay here? Are we going to be able to maintain this plan? Like my mom and dad live independently. They're able to do that because they have friends and family. And so nothing's changed for them since they gave up their car. Is it a pain in the butt for us sometimes? Of course, because, (laughs) you know, you literally have told these people that you're going to make sure that they get where they need to go, right? So you have to be flexible. You have to have shared calendars. You have to have open and frank communication. You have to have flexibility, you have to have time off. You have to have um, respite. You know, all the things that we know, we got to build all that in. Because the reality is, is, as I keep saying, driving is a privilege. And, you know, it's a whole other conversation, too, like you said. 
that we live in San Diego and still people can't get around. You know, so that's a whole nother conversation, right? Well, it's tough. I mean, so San Diego is its own special area. I mean, not everybody that listens to the show is from San Diego, but you know, it's like for me to get where Veronica is, it's going to take me an hour. And so that's, I'm hard pressed to ask a friend to drive me an hour each way to go. So your life is going to change when you don't have a car, you know, regardless, it for sure is going to change. And that's why you have to have those conversations. And that's why you want to start them earlier, the better. Because people, all of us, myself, as I just said, in my mind, I'm still a very young woman. I really genuinely feel that way. Me too. I feel like I'm a size four. I'm still a size four in my mind. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I still, I still can stop a clock, right? Exactly. (laughs) But the reality is sometimes maybe not so much, you know, but if we plan, if we communicate, if we try to figure things out, if we make adjustments, like you were saying, Kathy, do we have to move somewhere? Do we have to downsize? You know, what is, what is it going to take? Because and that's one good thing about my mom and dad. I got to say that they are very flexible. You know, they say no a couple of times. My, I, we, we always joke with my mom. She says no to everything, but then she comes around, right? So, <laughs> you know, if you, so if you know that, go ahead and figure out your game plan, right? Ask, so, more, ask more than once. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. And then get my brother to call and say, you got to do this, you guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's somebody else has to do the asking or the telling. That's right. You know, so, oh my gosh, we are just about out of time. Veronica, you have been so, so giving of your time to come on the show because this is something that is so difficult for many of us. If somebody wants more information about what you do, how would they contact you? They can reach out to me uh, via Twitter and at my website or Veronica at veronicamitchell.com and um, just shoot me an email. I can send you some resources. I have a resource tip sheet on all, all of my presentations and I'd be more than happy to talk with you directly, give you some information and connect with you. Okay, great. And I will have a link to the website on the show notes and that is veronicamitchell.com. You can always head on over to the Rocky Retirement website and you can get that information as well. So, Veronica, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And thank you, Kathy, for all that you do with this information, your podcast, because it's really great information. Thank you. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. 
I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.